Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Failed Critics Triple Bill Best Bar Scenes. I'm your host, Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Before we get into our best bar scenes, James, do you want to explain the rules again for this one? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, last week I made a bit of a mouthful on the meal of it. So, you know, it's just uh, our three favourite scenes. Not necessarily films that take place in time, but are actual the scenes themselves. Uh, three favourite scenes that take place in a bar or tavern or pub or anywhere where they would serve alcohol to the public. Cantina. Yes, possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to kick us off. First one is a comedy one. Honourable mention to Dumb and Dumber where he's in the bar in Aspen just for where he reads the... Uh, newspaper clipping printed on, uh, framed on the wall <laughs> where it says man lands on the moon and he takes it sort of to debut <laughs> <laughs> and that almost made it but then I realised the bit where he said he's talking to Harry and says why would she be at the bar at 10am and he says I just assume she's a raging alcoholic Isn't actually take, <laughs> does that actually take place in the bar if that had all taken place in the bar then fine but I've gone for uh, Anchorman for the first one where Ron Burgundy gets the call to come and host the news while he's in the in the bar and uh calls for the news team to assemble, blows the the big <laughs> shell, and it turns out they were stood behind him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a nice yeah. joke. Yeah. yeah we were very here, nice we've, we've been here literally the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh second, I've gone back on everything I said. Because I actually, why I forgot, I don't know. First of all, I thought, alright, it's Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, The Cantina, on Tatooine, Obi-Wan arrives with Luke Skywalker and a droid, looking to get passage to Alderaan. And I thought at first, no, only is, only, only Obi-Wan Kenobi cuts off that guy's arm with a lightsaber, and that's not the greatest scene. It's good, but it's not great. And then I realised, no, because then Han Solo shoots Greedo. Who shot first, Steve? Han, definitely. Of course yeah. he did. I thought yeah. just for, just for that, where he sort of sort of sat on the table with his feet up with his alien wanting to kill him, and then the way he just sort of flicks the coin at the barman and says, "Sorry about the mess." Yeah, Han, Han, cool as Han Solo I and Harrison. Han you fall in love with Han, you fall in love with Harrison Ford, and you just think he's the coolest bastard yeah. ever. And then you watch it, you watch it when you're about eight and think that's cool. I want to be Luke Skywalker, and then you watch it when you're 15 and go, nah, I don't want to be Luke Skywalker anymore. <laughs> I want to be Han Solo, he's well cool. 
Does this mean we get to um, play out this episode with the uh, cantina music again? <laughs> no, I've already done that I one. When we did that. <laughs> As you were such a fan of it, I could bring it back. But yeah, yeah it's just, sure. I mean, when you combine, you know, them walking into that cantina, everyone's sort of looking at them. Obi-Wan Kenobi busts out the lightsaber and cuts off some guy's arm rather needlessly, because I'm sure a Jedi could have dealt with that guy in a, in a much calmer way, actually. <laughs> I know he's, he's retired Jedi. Yeah, you know, I know he's. I know he's. Bit, he's retired, but I'm sure he really didn't need to do that. He could have just waved his hand and done some mind trick, and then Han. Then and then Han Solo just is the baddest man in space. Yeah, and he definitely shot first. Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And finally, I think there might be some crossover with this one. So jumping in, there is, is the bar scene in Inglorious Bastards. Crossover. So nearly crossover, but I knew everyone yeah, else would have it, so I played always. tactically again. <laughs> so I let Jerry join in talking about this one with me. But yeah, they're just... Yeah, I love this, I love this scene. I think this is one of, probably one of the best scenes that Tartino has ever done, you know. There's so many good scenes in Inglourious Bastards which do the same thing, that build up the tension. I'm thinking of sort of the opening scene where he's in the, um, Colonel Landers in the, in the house with the Frenchman who's hiding the Jews. Yeah, that's fantastic. House. Or, or, yeah. This, or the scene in the restaurant with Lander again and Shoshana, and you, you, you're trying to work out does he actually know it's her or not. And but you know the scene in the bar with Michael Fassbender and and you're playing the British officer and Hugo Stiglitz, and they're all but they're all playing Germans in disguise with the actress, and it's just so tense. The the build up to the the final payoff of sort of the gunfight is just so tense. And I mean, is, the thing with it is the confidence to spend that long on that scene because it's a long scene. Yeah, mm. I watched it again early uh, tonight. To see, because I am such a preppy, um, I watched all my scenes that I was considering tonight before we did this, and I sat and watched, it and then realised like I just used up twenty minutes of my pre <laughs> uh, pre podcast time watching this again. It's not only brave in length, the fact that it's entirely in German as well mm. for a Tarantino. You know, that's. That is a really good artistic decision he made there. He could have had them all kind of like speaking German accented English or something, but it wouldn't have worked. And he, no. he knows that that scene only works the way that it's filmed. And that's fantastic. Um, and I love the fact that he's even got his kind of typical pop culture. Yeah. yeah the, the, the game they're playing where they're guessing the, who, who they, they are, are with yeah. the cards on the head. There's actually like, it's Tarantino referencing pop culture of the time, uh, which is brilliant. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's, um, I think the fact that it has its own little subplots as well, you know, the guy whose kid's just being born and stuff and he's in there yeah. celebrating. And there's like, there's an emotional payoff even with yeah. the, the minor characters who are filling in the background. All the characters thing. feel like realizing, even the barmaid who doesn't speak German, who ends up like on the table and there's that fear that she you know every single character is there for a reason and it works brilliantly it's, um, it's not even and, got like the best well it's not even got the best two characters from the film in it and it's probably the best scene yeah yeah uh, and that's probably because it's got the facet who is just well we already know my feelings on <laughs> on Fassbender um, and he's not that was he's... the first time I ever saw him in that was in that film and yeah it's and it was it's love so, at first sight. It was. I know. It's, our eyes met across a crowded 
tavern. He's, in he's not really he's not really in the film much, but what he does in the film is just amazing. It's and again, it's brilliant. Um, Tarantino. It's a brilliant Tarantino work. Um, in the sense that he's got a character in the film for a small bit, and that's fine. He he's he's comfortable and confident enough to have a really good, fully realised character only be in his film for ten minutes. Um, uh, you know, and you see that going back, to, like Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction uh, as, as uh, the cleaner, and you know, it, it's a theme that runs through his work. Is he is very happy to have excellently realised small bit parts. And I, I think, think that's, that's the that's the thing is it's the way he creates a world, like I was saying, with you know, with the people in there celebrating the birth of a child, and you know, there's the subplot of the actress and her popularity and all kinds of stuff going on. And it's just the fact that it's not just a scene that he needs to move the story along. He really makes that world. He really cares about it. Yeah. He really just goes into so much detail with everything. Yeah. It could, narratively, that scene only needed to be two minutes long. Yeah. It it literally needed to be him being discovered in a tavern. Yeah. And and the bit of information she had about the Fuhrer coming to the, um, the screening. Yeah, that that was it. There were two little bits of information which needed to be passed on to the viewer. But instead, we get this glorious scene. And it's really interesting because Tarantino is a great script writer. Um, probably a better, I think he's probably a better writer than he is director. Um, but he does, ev- he's anti what everyone says you should do in a script. You know, the fact is, Every bit of dialogue in a script is meant to drive the story forward, you know, according to formula and according to, you know, screenwriting 101, this is what should be done. And then when you look at his films, like Pulp Fiction, the, uh, Royale with Cheese, uh, section, there is nothing, that is nothing to do with the storyline, but it's about setting tone and it's about setting up characters. And he does that brilliantly. He, his characters come to life so well. Yeah. I mean, that film, the, the um, what's the actor's name? Plays Colonel Lander. It's just such a brilliant character. Yes, just, uh, yeah. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look what he's done since that. That film absolutely made him, and mm. he's he's doing a lot of. He's in. Um, he's one of the main people in Django Unchained as well, isn't he? I keep seeing trailers for that. I'm very excited about Django Unchained as well. But yeah, no, it's like I say. I, I probably would have put this in my top three um, if I wasn't being all naughty and tactical. Well, uh, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, we know what one of yours is, so what are the other two? Right, the other two, um, one of them is a similar kind of violent bar scene, which is Terminator 2. Crossover. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was when when we thought of bar scenes. The first one that came into my head was Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. um, and the second one that came into my head I was thinking, "Well, what's what's you know scenes that are really good that are in a bar?" And I just thought, "Oh yeah, Arnie walking in, going, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle." <laughs> and it's just <laughs> it's it's so iconic, and you know it the is. way you see through his eyes and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, you get it parodied with The Simpsons and in yeah. you know cartoons and all sorts of things. It's just it's fantastic. It's it's just that is the kind of epitome for me of Arnie's screen presence and his, you know, his ability as an actor to just be cool as fuck and look hard while he's doing it and just, you know, stroll in and be like, yeah, I'm Arnie, I'm awesome. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I mean, awesome. it's, it's, it's brilliant. And it's great the way that it's, you know, it establishes him as a new Terminator. 
It doesn't kind of carry on mm. from the last film. It is, yeah. you know, this is the new cool one-liner delivering, sunglasses wearing, <laughs> motorcycle riding, machine, and it's, yeah, it's brilliant. I love that scene. I, I, I didn't even think about that scene, but no, that's, that's a great choice. What, okay. What's your other one? On Steve, then? Is that what you're going to say? Come it on, was I'm indeed, yeah. <laughs> Okay, my third one, uh, totally different kind of film, actually. Um, it was also mentioned on here a while ago in our greatest speeches ever things. Uh, it's the bar scene in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yes. That's a great scene. Because it's it's the one, for those of you who can't remember, it's the one where um, Ben Affleck's trying to chat up a girl and these, you know, clever uni guys try and catch him out and all this and, and they're trying to be real dead clever and Matt Damon comes in and schools them all and then they all just <laughs> offer them out. Say, so, you want to take this outside? And they're like, no, no, it's cool. It's just brilliant. It's one of the most satisfying sort of put-down speeches that's, that's ever been done. It's just fantastic. I absolutely love, I mean, I really like Good Will Hunting in general. I think it's a really good film. Um, but that scene in particular is one of the best scenes, not just a, a bar scene. It's one of the best single scenes in, in the last sort of 20, 30 years. I think I think it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's wonderfully written. Um, and it's great because you, you love smart asses when they're like, Taking other smart asses to school, and that's great. And but Matt Damon's character, uh, yeah, Will doesn't come across as a smart ass. He's just someone who knows his stuff, and that's great. He's got he, there's no pretensions about. I know it's a lovely scene. I, I really, and it, it it really captures um how how like people at home might have may have felt you know being made in to feel inferior, and it's that whole thing. I wish I could talk to someone like that. I wish I could can do that uh, I've been in that position before I wish I'd come up with something clever to say I've failed miserably um, every podcast you might say that happens but, um, uh, but yeah no that's a great and again another one I hadn't even thought of but it's a brilliant choice yeah well, thank you I want to keep the praise coming anybody else <laughs> anybody else want to throw something in while I'm here no nope. no that's it no, no. <laughs> Tumbleweed. <laughs> Push that one to its limit. Well, um, Owen, we know one of yours, so what's the other two? Go for the other two. Well, I did have Terminator 2, but I also had the scene from The Terminator, where The Terminator goes to uh, a nightclub where Sarah Connor is after hearing um, a voicemail message saying that she's going to be there. Um, and he basically uh, shoots the place down. But it's it's great at establishing him as this really menacing character. It's really it's a really menacing scene, basically, because you know what's coming. Uh, as soon as he sort of steps through the door, pushes the bouncer aside and crushes his wrist, and, you know, Sarah Connor's sitting at the table on her own, and it's all in slow motion, and as, as she just kind of looks up and sees him standing over her. It's just brilliant. I absolutely love that scene. Just the moment he kind of cocks his gun, and you just see the laser sighting point at her forehead and the camera turns around and basically the, the light, the red light from the, from the guns pointing straight at the camera and just bathes the whole scene in this red light. That's oh, brilliant. I, I think it's just such a fantastic scene. And you know, and then you, of course you get the big sort of blam as the shotgun from Kyle Reese gets him in the back and then it turns into a kind of shootout and, but it's just, it's just a scene that's just etched in tense, tension and suspense because 
you're just waiting for something to happen. You know, this big thing is just about to, to happen in this nightclub. And, and the, the, the nightclub itself, you know, the tech noir club that it's set in just looks so brilliant with its, you know, neon lights and the music that's playing in the background and just so fantastically 80s, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah the whole just thing. remember how good James Cameron was as well back in the yeah. day. Yeah, 80s, it's 80s, it's violent, it's an 80s, it's what we were talking about on it's the last exactly, podcast. Yes. Yeah. It is just brilliantly adult filmmaking, mm. uh, and mm. I love it. Yeah, no, totally. We need to have a moment of quiet contemplation to just think about James Cameron now and <laughs> what could have been if he'd kept on making films like that for the rest of his career. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, one of the things he was good at as well was just like giving characters just really short, snappy one liners to mm. deliver and making them sound like ultra fantastic, cool sayings and stuff, you know, the come with me if you want to live line that is delivered in that scene. It's just yeah. so awesome. The way it's just put out there is, um, it's yeah, well, in, that, in that period, he wrote Terminator. He, he wrote, um, part of Rambo, uh, part two. And then he wrote Aliens, Aliens yeah. like, in three yeah. years. And then yeah, he did, he, you know, Terminator two and he did True Lies and stuff actually. like that. He was, he, he wrote these great films as well. And, and now then, he's writing fucking Avatar two, three and four. I mean, come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just telling though that how, how iconic both scenes from, you know, Terminator and Terminator 2 have become, you know, just that he was a great filmmaker. And both, of course, brilliant scenes for different reasons. Yeah. You know, I, although I do mostly prefer Terminator 2, the film, I think I've talked about that before in one of our triple bills. Mm. Um, but that scene in the club is probably my favourite of the two. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of drinking that went on in either scene, so my final film that I've gone for uh, does feature a bit of drinking in it, uh, particularly this scene, which is um, from With Nail and I. Where Crossover. Uh, <laughs> we've all crossed over with someone, so that's really That's cool. nice. Yeah. I take it it's uh, the perfect Like a failed critic centipede sort. Um, but <laughs> Marwood and With Nail, yeah, talking yeah. Um, in the pub, yeah, the, the, what's it called, perfumed ponds. But- Ponce, perfume, ponce, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just great. And the, it just brilliantly establishes both characters, doesn't it? That's that it, yeah. encapsulates everything that they're about. Exactly. There's a bit, you know, we were talking about Tarantino earlier, uh, you know, there's a bit in here, there's a very small bit which says, right, uh, they need to ring Monty to get some money. But then the rest of the scene is flavour. It really sets Withnail up as a complete coward. Um yeah. The fact, you know, the, uh, all of a sudden, because this big, uh, there's the bit where he goes, what fucker said that? And then this <laughs> yeah. big bloke comes over and all of a sudden he shrinks and he's like, my, and he goes, my, my acquaintance may have said to yeah. you, I suggest you two go outside and discuss it in the street. Um, <laughs> and, it's really and all like, the excuses he's making up as well, just fantastic. Yeah. Oh God, oh, we can't. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> if you punch me, it will be murder. <laughs> Um, and just when they walk here, it's be, you know, walk in, put the money down, two large gins, two pints of cider, ice in the cider, trendsetters, you see, this is, <laughs> it's a really scary pub. And like, we've all been in those types of pubs, you know, those pubs where you walk in and then go, right, okay, I've, I can't just walk out of this pub. I've got to sit and have a drink, mm. but I'm scared for my life while I'm, I don't know if it's just me who's been in places like that. And when, um, Marwood goes into the toilet and reads a yeah. bit of graffiti saying, I fuck asses. And he's like, <laughs> who fucks asses? Maybe he fucks. Yeah, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's, it's so funny. And, but yeah, you see 
Marwood's terror at life in general, yeah. and you see Withnell's cowardice and his absolute disregard for anyone else as well. Yeah, um, yeah it's one of my favourite scenes in film ever. Absolutely love Wild. Yeah, that's uh, that's really nice that we've all crossed over. This is the most crossover we've ever had. Which Amazing, is Steve's job really easy linking it all together as well. It, cer- it certainly <laughs> makes it certainly makes the podcast a lot shorter than usual as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, we're on to James's choices now. Uh, already, yeah, we know one of mine. Um, I did have four written down, uh, and because someone else had already gone for Inglorious Bastards, I've been able to trim it. And so, um, the next one of mine is also another typically British bar scene, um, and it's from Train Spotting. And it starts off where uh, Begbie, Renton, Sick Boy, Spud and the gang are all sitting on the balcony of a pub. And Begbie's telling a story about um, when he was playing pool the other day uh, with Tommy. And in his story, he's talking about how this guy came in and basically Begbie fronted up to him and he put down his crisps and walked out. And then Begbie went on to win the pool match. And then he throws a glass off of the balcony and it pauses there, cuts away for a minute where you find out the true story of uh, what Begbie was actually up to. And he was, uh, it, there's a really funny scene there, really funny, but where he just beats a guy senseless with a pool cue for opening a bag of crisps in the same pub as him. And it, that, that really, yeah, it sets up Begbie as a character, one of the most frightening characters I've ever seen committed to film. Uh, and Tommy said, oh, he's a mate, though, what can you do? It's just the fact that all all of these um, friends have got these very thin uh, connections between them and, you know, really they shouldn't be mates at all. Um, but then it cuts back to the pub where the glass has fallen and hit some girl in the face uh, downstairs and Begbie just gets out his knife, flicks it really nonchalantly and slams it down on the table and walks down and delivers the line, that lassie got glassed, and no cunt's leaving here till we find out what cunt did it. I, it's, in it you just go, right, I know Begbie now. And it is brilliantly written, and you, it sets up a character so beautifully. And it, again, it also it's just such a British scene. Um, and then a massive bar fight kicks off. I absolutely love that. And when I, coming up with this, that was one of the first ones I thought of. And It, uh, it, was, it was close. It was- To failed critics triple bill best bar scenes. I'm your host Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond, hello, Jerry McCauley, hello, and Owen Hughes, hello. Before we get into our best bar scenes, James, do you want to explain the rules again for this one? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, last week I made a bit of a mouthful of the meal of it, so and uh, it's just uh, our three favourite scenes. Not necessarily films that take place in time, but are actual the scenes themselves. Uh, three favourite scenes that take place in a bar or tavern or pub or anywhere where they would serve alcohol to the public. Cantina. Yes, possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to kick us off. First one is a comedy one. 
honourable mention to Dumb and Dumber where he's in the bar in Aspen just for where he reads the uh, newspaper clipping printed on, uh, framed on the wall <laughs> where it says man lands on the moon and he takes it sort of to debut. <laughs> <laughs> and that almost made it. But then I realised the bit where he's, at, where he's talking to Harry and says, why would she be at the bar at 10am? And he says, I just assumed she's a raging alcoholic. Isn't actually take, <laughs> doesn't actually take place in the bar. If that had all taken place in the bar, then fine. But I've gone for Anchorman for the first one, where Ron Burgundy gets the call to come and host the news while he's in the in the bar, and uh, calls for the news team to assemble. Blows the the big <laughs> shell, and it turns out they were stood behind him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's a nice yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. we were very here. Nice we've, we've been here literally the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second, I've gone back on everything I said because I actually why I forgot I don't know. First of all, I thought all right, it's Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, the Cantina on Tatooine. Obi Wan arrives with Luke Skywalker and a droid, looking to get passage to Alderaan, and I thought at first. No, only is only Obi Wan Kenobi cuts off that guy's arm with a lightsaber, and that's not the greatest scene. It's good, but it's not great. And I realised, no, because then Han Solo shoots Greedo. Who shot first, Steve? Han, definitely. Of course he yeah. did. And I thought yeah. just for, just for that, where he sort of sort of sat on the table with his feet up with his alien wanting to kill him, and then the way he just sort of flicks the coin at the barman and says, "Sorry about the mess." Yeah, Han, Han, cool as Han Solo I and Harrison. You fall in love with Han, you fall in love with Harrison Ford, and you just think he's the coolest bastard yeah. ever. And then you watch it You watch it when you're about eight and think, that's cool, but I want to be Luke Skywalker. And then you watch it when you're 15 and go, nah, I don't want to be Luke Skywalker anymore. <laughs> I want to be Han Solo, he's well cool. Does this mean we get to um, play out this episode with the uh, cantina music again? <laughs> no, I've that's, already done that I one. Loved it when we did that. <laughs> <laughs> As you were such a fan of it, I could bring it back. But yeah, yeah it's just... I mean, when you combine, you know, them walking into that cantina, everyone's sort of looking at them. Obi-Wan Kenobi busts out the lightsaber and cuts off some guy's arm, rather needlessly, because I'm sure a Jedi could have dealt with that guy in a, in a much calmer way, actually. <laughs> I know he's, he's... retired Jedi, yeah, I know he's I know he's, bit, he's retired, but I'm sure he really didn't need to do that. He could have just waved his hand and done some mind trick. And then Han... Then, and then Han Solo just is the baddest man in space. Yeah. And he definitely shot first. Oh, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. And finally, I think there might be some crossover with this one. So jumping in, there is, is the bar scene in Inglorious Bastards. Crossover. So nearly crossover, but I knew everyone yeah, else would have it, so I played always. tactically. <laughs> <laughs> so I let Jerry join in talking about this one with me. But yeah, they're just... Yeah. I love this. I love this scene. I think this is one of probably one of the best scenes that Tarantino's ever done. You know, there's so many good scenes in Inglorious Bastards which do the same thing that build up the tension. I'm thinking of sort of the opening scene where he's in the um, Colonel Landers in the in the house with the Frenchman who's hiding the Jews. Yeah, that's fantastic. House. Or, or yeah. this, or the scene in the restaurant with Lander again and Shoshana, and you, you trying to work out does he actually know it's her or not, and. But you know the scene in the bar with Michael Fassbender and and you're playing the British officer and Hugo Stiglitz and they're all but they're all playing Germans in disguise with the actress and it's just so tense the the build up to the the final payoff of sort of the gunfight 
it's just so tense. And I mean, it is, the thing with it is the confidence to spend that long on that scene because it's a long scene. Yeah, mm. I watched it again early, uh, tonight. To see, because I am such a preppy, um, I watched all my scenes that I was considering tonight before we did this. And I sat and watched it and then realised, like, I'd just used up 20 minutes of my pre, uh, pre-podcast time watching this again. It's not only brave in length, the fact that it's entirely in German as well mm. for a Tarantino, you know, that's, that is a really good artistic decision he made there. He could have had them all kind of like speaking German accented English or something, but it wouldn't have worked. And he, no. he knows that that scene only works the way that it's filmed. And that's fantastic. Um, and I love the fact that he's even got his kind of typical pop culture, you know, yeah, the, the, the game they're playing where they're guessing the, who, who they, they are, are with the yeah. cards on their head. There's actually like, it's Tarantino referencing pop culture of the time, uh, which is brilliant. Um, uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's, um, I think the fact that it has its own little subplots as well, you know, the guy whose kid's just been born and stuff and he's in there celebrating yeah. and there's like, there's an emotional payoff even with yeah. the, the minor characters who are filling in the background. All the characters feel like realizing, even the barmaid who doesn't speak German who ends up like on the table and there's that fear that she, you know, every single character is there for a reason and it works brilliantly. It's, um, it's not even and, got like the best, well, it's not even got the best two characters from the film in it and it's probably the best scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably because it's got the facet who is just, well, we already know my feelings on. <laughs> On Fastbender, um, and he's but not, that was he's... the first time I ever saw him in that was in that film, and yeah, it's and it it's, was love at first sight. It was, I know. It's, our eyes met across a crowded tavern. He's, in he's not really He's not really in the film much, but what he does in the film is just amazing. It's and again, it's brilliant. Um, Tarantino. It's a brilliant Tarantino work. Um, in the sense that he's got character in the film for a small bit. And that's fine. He, he's, he's comfortable and confident enough to have a really good, fully realized character only be in his film for 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, and you see that going back to like Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction, uh, as, as, uh, the cleaner. And, you know, it, it's a theme that runs through his work is he is very happy to have excellently realized small bit parts. I, I think that's, that's the, that's the thing is, is, it's the way he creates a world, like I was saying with, you know, with the people in there celebrating the birth of a child and, you know, there's the support of the actress and her popularity and all kinds of stuff going on. And it's just the fact that mm. it's not just a scene that he needs to move the story along. He really makes that world. He really cares about it. Yeah. And he really he just goes into so much detail with everything. Yeah. It could narratively, that scene only needed to be two minutes long. Yeah. It, it literally and, needed to be him being discovered in a tavern. Yeah, and, and everyone the bit of information she had about the Führer coming to the um, the screening. Yeah, that that was it. There were two little bits of information which needed to be passed on to the viewer. But instead, we get this glorious scene. And it's really interesting because Tarantino is a great script writer. Um, probably a better, I think he's probably a better writer than he is director. Um, but he does, he's anti what everyone says you should do in a script. You know, the fact is, every bit of dialogue in a script is meant to drive the story forward, you know, according to formula and according to, you know, screenwriting 101, this is what should be done. And then when you look at his films, like Pulp Fiction, the uh, Royale with Cheese uh, section, there is nothing, that is nothing to do with the storyline, but it's about setting tone 
and it's about setting up characters and he does that brilliantly he his characters come to life so well yeah i mean that film the, the um what's the actor's name plays Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And Orlando, she's such a brilliant character. Yes, just, uh, yeah. Christopher Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look what he's done since that that film absolutely made him, and mm. he's he's doing a lot of. He's in. Um, he's one of the main people in Django Unchained as well, isn't he? I keep seeing trailers for that. I'm very excited about Django Unchained as well. But yeah, no, it's like I say, I, I probably would have put this in my top three. Um, if I wasn't being all naughty and tactical. Well, uh, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, we know what one of yours is, so what are the other two? Right, the other two, um, one of them is a similar kind of violent bar scene, which is Terminator 2. Crossover. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was when, when we thought of bar scenes, the first one that came to mind was Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one that came into my head, I was thinking, well, what's, what's, you know, scenes that are really good that are in a bar. And then I just thought, oh yeah, Arnie walking in, going, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> it's, it's so iconic. And, you know, it the is. way you see through his eyes and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, you get a parody of the Simpsons and in, yeah. you know, cartoons and all sorts of things. It's just, it's fantastic. It's, it's just, that is the kind of epitome for me of Arnie's screen presence and his, you know, his ability as an actor to just be cool as fuck and look hard while he's doing it and just, you know, stroll in and be like, yeah, I'm Arnie, I'm awesome. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's yeah, I mean, awesome. it's, it's, it's brilliant. And it's great the way that it's, you know, it establishes him as a new Terminator. It doesn't kind of carry on mm. from the last film. It is, yeah. you know, this is the new, cool, one-liner delivering, sunglasses-wearing, <laughs> motorcycle-riding <laughs> machine. And it's, yeah, it's brilliant. I love that scene. I, I I didn't even think about that scene, but no, that's that's a great choice. What, okay, what's your other one? one, Steve? Then is that what you're going to say? Come it on, was indeed, yeah. <laughs> okay, my third one, uh, totally different kind of film, actually. Um, it was also mentioned on here a while ago in our greatest speeches ever. Things. Uh, it's the bar scene in Goodwill Hunting. Oh yes, that's a great scene because it's it's the one for those of you who can't remember. It's the one where um, Ben Affleck's trying to chat up a girl, and these you know clever uni guys try and catch him out and all this, and and they're trying to be real dead clever. And Matt Damon comes in and schools them all, and then they all just <laughs> offer them out. So you want to take this outside? And they're like, no, no, it's cool. It's just brilliant. It's one of the most satisfying sort of put down speeches. That's, that's ever been done. It's just fantastic. I absolutely love. I mean, I really like Goodwill Hunting in general. I think it's a really good film. Um, but that scene in particular is one of the best scenes. Not just a, a bar scene. It's one of the best single scenes in, in the last sort of twenty, thirty years. I think. I think it's just fantastic. 
yeah, it's wonderfully written. Um, and it's great because you, you love smart asses when they're like taking other smart asses to school. And that's great. And, but Matt Damon's character, uh, yeah, Will doesn't come across as a smart ass. He's just someone who knows his stuff. And that's great. He's got, there's no pretensions about, I oh, know it's a lovely scene. I, I really, and it, it, it really captures, um, how, how, like, people at home might have, may have felt, you know, being made in, to feel inferior. And it's that whole thing. I wish I could talk to someone like that. I wish I could, can do that. Uh, I've been in that position before. I wish I'd come up with something clever to say. I failed miserably. Um, every podcast you might say that happened. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, that's a great, and again, another one I hadn't even thought of, but it's a brilliant choice. Yeah, well, thank you. I want to keep the praise coming. Anybody else? Anybody else want to throw something in while I'm here? No, no, that's it. No. No. <laughs> Push that one for its limit. Well, um, I mean, we know one of yours, so what's the other two? What's the other two? Well, I did have Terminator 2, but I also had the scene from The Terminator, where the Terminator goes to uh, a nightclub where Sarah Connor is after hearing um, a voicemail message saying that she's going to be there. Um, and he basically uh, shoots the place down. But it's it's great at establishing him as this really menacing character. It's really it's a really menacing scene, basically, because you know what's coming. Uh, mm. As soon as he sort of steps through the door, pushes the bouncer aside and crushes his wrist, and, you know, Sarah Connor's sitting at the table on her own, and it's all in slow motion, and as, as she just kind of looks up and sees him standing over her. Ah, it's just brilliant. I absolutely love that scene. Just the moment he kind of cocks his gun and you just see the laser sighting point at her forehead and the camera turns around and basically the, the light, the red light from the, from the guns pointing straight at the camera and just bathes the whole scene in this red light. That's oh, brilliant. I, I think it's just such a fantastic scene. And you know, and then you, of course you get the big sort of blam as the shotgun from Kyle Reese gets him in the back and then it turns into a kind of shootout and, but it's just a scene that's just etched in tense, tension and suspense because you're just waiting for something to happen. You know this big thing is just about to, to happen in this nightclub. And uh, the, the, the nightclub itself, you know, the tech noir club that it's set in, just looks so brilliant with its, you know, neon lights and the music that's playing in the background. and Just so fantastically 80s, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah the whole Just remember thing. how good James Cameron was as well back in the yeah. day. Yeah, 80s. It's 80s, it's violent, it's an 80s. It's what we were talking about on it's the last exactly, podcast. Yes. Yeah. It is just brilliantly adult filmmaking, mm. uh, and I love it. Yeah, no, we need to have a moment of quiet contemplation to just think about James Cameron now, and <laughs> what could have been if he kept on making films like that for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, one of the things he was good at as well was just like giving characters just really short, snappy one liners to mm. deliver, and making them sound like ultra fantastic, cool sayings and stuff you know the come with me if you want to live line that is delivered in that scene it's just yeah. so awesome the way it's just put out there is um it's you know, in, that, in that period he wrote terminator he, he wrote um part of rambo uh part two and yeah, then he wrote aliens, aliens yeah. like in three yeah. years and then yeah, he did he, you know terminator 2 and he did true lies and stuff actually. like that he was he he wrote these great films as well and, and now then, he's writing fucking avatar two three and four i mean come yeah. on mm-hmm. But yeah, oh. I mean, it's just telling though that how, how iconic both scenes from you know Terminator and Terminator have 
to him because, you know, just that he was a great filmmaker. And both, of course, brilliant scenes for different reasons. Yeah. You know, although I do mostly prefer Terminator to the film, I think I've talked about that before in one of our triple bills. Mm. Um, but that scene in the club is probably my favourite of the two. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, unfortunately there wasn't a lot of drinking that went on in either scene. So my final film that I've gone for uh, does feature a bit of drinking in it, uh, particularly this scene, which is um, from Wisnail and I. Where Cross Marvel, over. Uh, <laughs> we've all crossed over with someone's over. That's, really That's cool. nice. Yeah. I take it it's uh, the perfect like scene. Um, but <laughs> Marwood and with Nail, yeah, talking yeah. Um, in the pub, yeah, the, the, what's they call him, perfumed ponce. But ponce, perfumed ponce, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just great. And the, it just brilliantly establishes both characters, doesn't it? That's that it, yeah. encapsulates everything that they're about. Exactly. There's a bit, you know, we were talking about Tarantino earlier, uh, you know, there's a bit in here, there's a very small bit which says, right, uh, they need to ring Monty to get some money. But then the rest of the scene is flavour. It really sets Withnail up as a complete coward. Um, yeah. The fact, you know, the, uh, all of a sudden, because this big, uh, there's the bit where he goes, what fucker said that? And then this <laughs> big bloke comes over and all of a sudden he shrinks and he's like, my, and he goes, my, my acquaintance may have said to yeah. say you, I suggest you two go outside and discuss it in the street. Um, <laughs> and, really and all awesome. the excuses he's making up as well, just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, God, oh, we uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we can't. Yeah, we can't. If you punch me, it will be murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just when they walk here, it's beautiful. Yeah, walk in, put the money down, two large gins, two pints of cider, ice in the cider, trendsetters, you see. This is, <laughs> it's a really scary pub. And like, we've all been in those. Those types of pubs, you know, those pubs where you walk in and then go, right, okay, I've, I can't just walk out of this pub. I've got to sit and have a drink, mm. but I'm scared for my life while I'm, I don't know if it's just me who's been in places like that. And when um, Marwood goes into the toilet and reads a yeah. bit of graffiti saying, I fuck asses," And he's like, <laughs> who fucks asses? Maybe he fucks. Yeah, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's, it's so funny. And, but yeah, you see Marwood's terror at life in general, yeah. and you see Withnell's cowardice and his absolute disregard for anyone else as well. Yeah, um, yeah it's one of my favourite scenes in film ever. Absolutely love one. Yeah, that's uh, that's really nice that we've all crossed over. This is the most crossover we've ever had. Which it makes is Steve's job really easy, linking it all together as well. It, it, certainly, <laughs> makes, it certainly makes the podcast a lot shorter than usual as well. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, well, we're on to James's choices now. Uh, already. Yeah, we know one of mine. Um, I did have four written down, uh, and because someone else had already gone for Inglorious Bastards, I've been able to trim it. And so, um, the next one of mine is also another typically British bar scene. Um, and it's from Train Spotting. And it starts off where, uh, Begbie, Renton, Sick Boy, Spud, and the gang are all sitting on the balcony of a pub. And Begbie's telling a story about um, when he was playing pool the other day uh, with Tommy. And in his story, he's talking about how this guy came in and basically Begbie fronted up to him and he put down his crisps and walked out. And then Begbie went on to win the pool match. And then he throws a glass off of the balcony and it pauses there, cuts away for a minute where you find out the true story of uh, what Begbie was actually up to. And he was... Uh, it, there's a really funny scene there, really funny, but where he just beats a guy 
senseless with a pool cue for opening a bag of crisps in the same pub as him. And it, that, that really, you know, it sets up Begbie as a character, one of the most frightening characters I've ever seen committed to film. Uh, and Tommy said, oh, he's a mate though, what can you do? And it's just <laughs> the fact that all, all of these, um, friends have got these very thin, uh, connections between them. And, you know, really they shouldn't be mates at all. Um, but then it cuts back to the pub where the glass has fallen and hit some girl in the face uh, downstairs. And Begbie just gets out his knife, flicks it really nonchalantly and slams it down on the table and walks down and delivers the line, that lassie got glass and no cunts leaving here till we find out what cunt did it. I, it's, and it you just go, right, I know Begbie now. And it is brilliantly written and you, it sets up a character so beautifully. And it, again, it also it's just such a British scene. Um, and then a massive bar fight kicks off. I absolutely love that. And when I, coming up with this, that was one of the first ones I thought of. And It, uh, it, was, it was close. It was one of the ones I was considering. It was, it, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, again, it's a really iconic scene. Um, and then my last one. Now, this is interesting. Um, a lot of the people on Twitter tonight, Goodfellas has been mentioned a lot. And the scene that has been mentioned, it's not a scene I'm going for, the scene that has been mentioned a lot by people online is the scene where um, Joe Pesci's character gets told to go and get his fucking shine box and he then kills um, the gangster. Uh, well, beats the shit out of it. You know, nasty scene. Um, but, but a very good scene. But my favourite one um, is very near the beginning. And it, it's kind of... Um, Henry Hill has just been pulled off a, a really good uh, robbery and he's really happy, and we get introduced to his world, and there's a lovely tracking shot, and it's not the tracking shot that people talk about a lot of, which is one where he goes into a restaurant with uh, his girlfriend, and it takes you through, and they get a table at the front, so which is a lovely tracking shot. This one, though, it introduces the world of the gangsters to us, and what I love about this is we see like a kind of a close-up on a face, and hear a name, and I just feel like each of these, a bit like that in Glorious Bastards, each of these have got a, a, um, a backstory and a, a character. And so it's going like, uh, Anthony Stabile and Frank, and some of these names are amazing. Frank Carboni, Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy, uh, <laughs> and his guys, Frankie the Wop, Freddy No-Nose, Pete the Killer, Nicky Eyes, and then my favorite one, and this is why this is on here, and uh, Jimmy Two Times, so named because he says everything two times, and he gets up and says, I'm just off to go get the papers, get the papers. And him as a character is, he it, it just gets one line, and I, I just feel I know so much about him, the look. Uh, it's got wonderful music, it's a wonderfully shot tracking shot, and it leads up to the scene where um, the famous. Um, you think I'm funny. You look, I'm like a clown. I amuse you. Um, that scene. So, to be honest, Goodfellas had, and I was talking to my wife earlier tonight about it, and she said she loves the scene where just after they pulled off the massive robbery and people are coming into the bar and they're wearing like fur coats and they've pulled up in a massive uh, pink car after um, Jimmy Conway, Robert De Niro, has told them specifically not to. Uh, spend any money and that that's a really nice scene as well i think it's playing uh and there's some great great music all the way through goodfellas yeah so goodfellas loads of it takes place in a bar anyway um but that is my particular favorite scene which ones did you have to drop to get get those in then 
Okay, the ones I dropped, I did drop. So I said that I dropped um, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Um, there was also, I've got some notes on my phone here. I've got to find now. This is <laughs> in that question. Um, oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, okay. Yeah, right at the beginning. That was a that was really close to me. Um, with um, not only because Karen Allen is out drinking these hard bastard Nepalese guys, which is very sexy. Mm. Uh, but then <laughs> some Nazis in it, uh, and the whole thing goes on fire. That, that's cool. Um, and also the beginning of the social network where Mark Zuckerberg's getting dumped by his girlfriend and he's unable to see it. That is one of the most brilliantly, uh, sorking pieces of, uh, writing I've ever seen. And I love that scene. And it, it basically, it encapsulates, uh, perfectly in three or four minutes why Mark Zuckerberg became the person he did, apparently. Basically, all geeks get turned down by a girl and then set up multi-billion pounds. <laughs> that, but uh, that's also a really, really nice scene. Um, so those were those were two of the other ones that I had to drop as well. Did anyone have to drop the titty twister bar from Dust Till Dawn, or was that just me? Um, someone on uh, someone on Twitter, I can't remember who okay. now, had someone to say from Dust Till Dawn, basically the entire second half. Yeah. <laughs> It was Salma Hayek's leg, I think, is uh, my favourite bit of that. For a the, the, the one that was closest to making my list, Casablanca, what? when the police raid the, the bar. Casablanca, uh, yeah, okay. that, the yeah. love scene as well, uh, with um, Renault. Yeah, coming Yeah, along. and the inspector, and he's like, oh, I'm totally surprised that there's gambling going in here. Yeah. And then, like, the waiter comes up and says, like, is it winning from earlier? And he's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good one. And the thing is, I think I could have found even more. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually quite enjoyed skimming through quite a few of these. Yeah, same. Um, I, I just, a couple of other people on Twitter have said, um, so at Bry Faller, um, he said the end of Ice Cold in Alex, um, was a great end to a film. Uh, he also said Total Recall with the, um, with the woman with three breasts as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice scene. Um, obvious choices from Ibracadabra101 said, uh, Casino and, um, and the scene in Goodfellas with Get Your Shoe Shine, uh, Get Your Shine, Get Your Shine Box. Uh, at Finden Lake said, um, he likes the bar scene in Superbad, but also he likes the scenes in Back to the Future 3, Scarface and Porky's as well. Um, so yeah, I had, a, I had a few. Oh, and someone said the beginning of Desperado. Um, that was at Ashton Phil. Yeah, I love the beginning of Desperado as well. That's a great scene. No one, no one mentioned then the scene in Free Amigos where they tried to kill her. No, see, that's another. Mm. Oh, I love Three Amigos. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I think. I. I think we've had some really good choices. Here. I. I. And I. I love the fact that we all had crossover with someone else. That's really nice. And oh, it might be oh. one of the shortest podcasts we've done, but we've made up <laughs> with it with yeah, just lots exactly. of swearing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll, I'll definitely mark this one as explicit. Mm. Uh, but I was quoting. I was always told at school um, that you could get away with swearing if you were um, directly attributing a quote. So if, so. You, if, you, if your mate swore in class, and you repeated him, as long as you said you were directly quoting your mate, <laughs> then you could get away with it. I could, I could, you should have been a lawyer, Steve. <laughs> um, so yes, that's it for this week's Triple Bill Best Bar Scenes. What's next week's Triple Bill? Uh, next week's Triple Bill is, and do you know, uh, 
I should have known you were going to ask me, but I did. I'm Is so... it the winter previews that we're doing next week? But that's it, yeah. Well, thanks, Owen. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so next week we will uh, each be choosing three films that we are most looking forward to in the rest of the year. I, f- I think we should, because we've got planned for sort of October what we're seeing for our new release, I think yes. the start point of this should be November. First of, enough. First yeah, of November to the 31st of December. Is there 31 yeah. days in December? Let's do that right. Yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. there is. Yeah, so that's basically going to be it in that two-month period. So everything after Bond. There yeah. we go. It's the films yeah. we're most looking forward to chronologically after Bond and quite possibly um, critically after Bond as well. Mm. So, yes, um, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Jerry, Owen and James for joining us on the podcast and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for doing that music, um, but not possibly the cantina music if we play out on that. He didn't do that. <laughs> and we want to thank Steve for editing out all our nonsense. Yeah, uh, which takes literally <laughs> it was only hours. Did Jerry did not join in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. Well done. Good job, Steve. Good. Are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm insulted by the lack of compliments now. Jerry just hates me. I'm really used to having my ego boosted by Steve Jerry's on a weekly basis. Jerry just hates me. Well, uh, you build my hopes up, Steve, and then you spend a few weeks making me feel really special. It's like oh. on Anchorman, you took me out for a nice seafood dinner and then you never called me again. <laughs> Good night. News team, assemble! There's a special run in Helms that for people who waste good scotch. Seeing as I may be rapping on the door momentarily, I must say, damn good stuff, sir. Perfume pants. Who got that nickname because he said everything twice? Like, I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers. You're close. Give them to me. The, the one that was closest to making my list Casablanca, what? when the police raid the, the bar. Casablanca, uh, yeah, okay. that's the yeah. love scene as well with um, Renault. Yeah, coming Yeah, and the inspector, and he's like, oh, I'm totally surprised that there's gambling going in yes. here. And then, like, the waiter comes up and says, like, is it winning from earlier? And he's like, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a really good one. And the thing is, I think I could have found even more. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I I actually quite enjoyed skimming through quite a few of these. Yeah, same. Um, I, I just a couple of other people on Twitter have said. Um, so at Bry Faller, um, he said the end of Ice Cold in Alex um, was a great end to a film. Uh, he also said Total Recall with the um. With the woman with three breasts as well. <laughs> nice scene. Um, obvious choices from Ibracadabra101 said, uh, Casino and, um, and the scene in Goodfellas with Get Your Shoe Shine, uh, Get Your Shine, Get Your Shine Box. Uh, at Findon Lake said, um, he likes the bar scene in Superbad, but also he likes the scenes in Back to the Future 3, Scarface and Porky's as well. Um, 
So yeah, I had, a, I had a few. Oh, and someone said the beginning of Desperado. Um, that was at Ashton Phil. Yeah, I love the beginning of Desperado as well. That's a great scene. No one, no one mentioned then the scene in Free Amigos where they tried to kill her. No, see, that's another. Oh, I love Three Amigos. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I think that I, I think we've had some really good choices. Yeah, I, I, and I, I love the fact that we all had crossover with someone else. That's really nice. And oh, it might be oh. one of the shortest podcasts we've done. But we've made up <laughs> with it with yeah, just lots exactly. of swearing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll, I'll definitely mark this one as explicit. Mm. Uh, but I was quoting. I was always told at school um, that you could get away with swearing if you were um, directly attributing a quote. So if, so. Your, if, you, if your mate swore in class and you repeated him, as long as you said you were directly quoting <laughs> your mate, then you could get away with it. I could, I could, you should have been a lawyer, Steve. <laughs> um, so yes, that's it for this week's Triple Bill Best Bar Scenes. What's next week's Triple Bill? Uh, next week's triple bill is, and do you know, I should have known you were going to ask me, but I did. I'm so... Is it the winter previews that we're doing next week? That's it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Owen. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So next week we will uh, each be choosing three films that we are most looking forward to in the rest of the year. I, I think we should, because we've got planned for sort of October what we're seeing for our new release. I think yes. the start point of this should be November. First of, enough. First yeah, of November. To the 31st of December. So 31 yeah. days in December? Let's do that right. Yeah, yeah there are. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, so that's basically going to be it in that two-month period. So everything after Bond. There yeah. we go. It's the films yeah. we're most looking forward to chronologically after Bond and quite possibly um, critically after Bond as well. Mm. So, yes, um, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Jerry, Owen and James for joining us on the podcast and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for doing that music, um, but not possibly the cantina music if we play out on that. He didn't do that. <laughs> and we want to thank Steve for editing out all our nonsense. Yeah, uh, which takes literally <laughs> it was only hours. Only Jerry did not join in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. Well yeah. done. Good job, Steve. Good. Is Jerry still here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm insulted by the lack of compliments now. Jerry just got really used to having my ego boosted by Steve Jerry's on a weekly basis. Jerry just hates me. Well, uh, you build my hopes up, Steve, and then you spend a few weeks making me feel really special. It's like oh. on Anchorman, you took me out for a nice seafood dinner and then you never called me again. <laughs> Good night. Sorry about the mess. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Seeing as I may be rapping on the door momentarily, I must say, damn good stuff, sir. Perfume pumps! And Jimmy Two Times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like. I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers. You're close.